How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Swing up top to Hayward. Pick from Gobert. They'll double-team the ball. Hill, Hayward has it. Swings up top to Love. Resets Hayward. Seven on the shot clock. Double him again. He turns the corner. Bounces to Hood. Right corner three. Got it! Rocky Hood! How about you tonight? You are Locked On Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 12th of January, the Facebook Live Thursday edition. We'll talk about the Jazz getting where they stand, the upcoming schedule, and takes really take a ton of your questions on where we go as we head to the trade deadline and the things that are of your interest. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Can't tell if this is actually working yet. We'll see whether I get any audience in the next minute or two. And then if I don't, we'll know it's not working. And then if I do get somebody to listen, I know it is working. Amazing how that works. Thanks so much for tuning in to the program. This is Locked On Jazz, brought to you on Thursdays, always by Shamrock Auto Group. Uh, Rob Taylor and the guys at Shamrock Auto Group do such a great job out in Pleasant Grove, located at 203 North, 2000 West, North Utah County Boulevard in Pleasant Grove. They are going to give you a car buying experience that you'll remember, that you'll enjoy. Here's what they do. They take uh, cars that are nearly new, uh, slightly used, and they can help, they're going to help you out. They uh, welcome trade-in. They provide financing. They have uh, loans right now as low as 2.49%. You can call Rob or Kellen. Kellen's number is 801-361-9796. They, if you look at their Google reviews, that's probably all you need to know about the Shamrock Auto Group and what Rob and the guys uh, have done. Most of the cars are are 6 to 12 months out. Most of them have between about 5 and 20,000 miles, so perfect time to buy the car. Uh, They even have a 1955 Chevy on the lot right now. But a 2001 Chevy Tahoe, 25,900. So it's a lot of the Utah County vehicles that are going to help you out, uh, and then they're going to get you out-the-door pricing in five minutes. They're going to test drive by yourself, give you a buy- car buying experience for under an hour. Full service can do financing in-house and extended warranties, value-driven, and car facts report on every car. So Shamrock Auto Group brings you the Thursday edition of Locked on Jazz, the Facebook Live edition. Give them a call today. Kellen is out there. Rob Taylor, who you guys can all make fun of how often I turn him into the Matchbox 20 guy. His number is 801-319-2250. Thanks for them for providing uh, today's show. And if you're purchasing a car or a truck in the next few weeks, please give a call to Shamrock Auto Group. Or if you know somebody who is, have them do it. All right. Uh, so today's show really is built on your questions. And frankly, there's not a huge amount of jazz news. Alec and Howell went down to play D-League. Uh, Alec didn't kid around. Got about a shot a minute. Uh, it's exactly what it's for. It's perfect use of it. So we'll talk about that, uh, and then we'll get to your questions uh, predominantly here on the program. All right, uh, I got a cool uh, pins across the world because it's a follow-up. Earlier this week, Ellen Irian 
gave us a pin and said that she was welcoming. And I said, well, tell us when the baby's born. And Ellen and Russ uh, sent me a note last night that said our baby boy was born in mid-December and is doing great. The day he was born, we watched in the hospitals. The Jazz beat the Thunder. Nice birthday present. And since his birth, the Jazz are 9 and 6. So we'll tell ourselves we've got a good luck charm on our hands. So our pin across the world is a revisit with Ellen. Irian, congratulations on the birth of the new Jazz fan. Love to hear our community growing a little bit. And uh, feel free to send me. Like Darren Cortez says, good morning from St. Louis. I bet you he's got a pin. Send me your pin, dlock09 at gmail.com. Uh, wanted to, you know, we'll do pack tomorrow. Uh, wanted to just kind of look at a few big picture. We're halfway through the season, really. Uh, kind of statistical trending things on the Jazz is our main topic today. And then we'll uh, go predominantly your questions. If you have one, you can put it on the bottom of our Facebook Live. Or I had a Facebook uh, up yesterday. Uh, it's interesting for me to just kind of look where the Jazz rank on things uh, right now. We're halfway through the season, injured. And hopefully uh, the second half of the season is a question of health and player rotations. And who's getting the minutes. I think those um, hopefully will be the two two big kind of things that we talk about. So right now the Jazz offense is 11th in the league. It struggled in uh, it was 7th in November, 12th in December, 23rd so far in January. The, that's probably something to keep an eye on. The assist to turnover rate that was good in November has disappeared, probably largely because George is hurt. Uh, and worth keeping uh, a little bit of an eye on uh, and, and from a trending standpoint of what's going on with that. The defense is number one in the NBA. So, And really what's interesting out of just pure consistency was number one in November, got a little less good in December and actually a little less good in January, but the lead in ranking but still holds themselves uh, at number one in the league defensively uh, right now. Number two at home, number four on the road, so it's tra- they're traveling pretty well uh, defensively which is a good sign. Uh, in regards to trending, the last 15 games, the offense is 24th in the NBA. So, again, that's kind of – now, George has been gone for a lot of it, and it's almost all predicated on turnovers. If you look at the four factors, we're the 11th best team shooting. We've been going to the line a lot. Our offensive rebounding's back up to above average, but our turnovers uh, were just really bad in that time, 29th in the league. So, now, the question will be whether we can get that turnover number back down to a more reasonable number. We do throw a lot of passes. We run a lot of action. We might have a little bit of our system that gains us in other aspects, forces, allows us to have some turnovers. Uh, I don't actually have a problem with turnovers. There's never been a big correlation between turnovers and uh, winning or great offense. Uh, often those teams are high turnovers are pretty good offense because the turnovers are being uh, done out of, uh, aggressiveness, and then they're often leading to other buckets along the way. So we'll see whether how that uh, plays out a little bit in, in regards to that. The defense is just kind of held uh, and is just doing uh, great work. Uh, one thing that we talked about a lot coming into the season uh, as we sit here at the 40-game mark was how is our three-point shooting going to be? Um, it's cooled off a little bit in the last 10 games. We ranked six. Uh, we, oh, no, it's about the same rank ninth in the league. Uh, the 20 games 21 to 30 we were ninth in the league so we're sitting at eighth in the league overall um just kind of over time we've been more consistent than others that's pretty good and the maybe most exciting one which is something i talked about early in the season and i know quinn really was focusing on was how many uh what percentage of our shots are going to be threes now over the last since derek's come back over the last 10 games that number has dropped we're back down to 15th in the league uh in the percentage of our shots are threes after Uh, From games 21 to 30, we were second. We're eighth in the league right now. We're taking, uh, and you want to, you know, 40, 
The league's well over 30% of all shots are threes uh, this year, which is the highest number. It's probably heading toward 33%, and uh, we'll probably uh, – we're at eighth in the league right now at percentage of our shots that are taken as threes, which is right about where you – I mean, I'd actually – you know, you'd like to be uh, higher in that. Uh, we're taking 34% of our shots from threes. That's, that's about as high as I thought our roster could get. We've dipped to 32% of our shots over the last 10 games. So it's just it's worth keeping an eye on um, just a tiny, tiny bit. Uh, in regards to other trends, in that same time period, our offensive rebounding has returned because Derek is back. And so we were doing almost no offensive rebounding. We were the lowest offensive rebounding team in the league. First 10 games, we got 20% of our offensive rebounds. Second 10 game, we got 20%. Third uh, group of 10, we got 22%. And now in these 10s, we're back up to 25%. So we've been actively offensive rebounding uh, again, and we just have to get the turnovers down. We were, the last 20 games, we've been turning the ball over 17% of our possessions, which is excessive. Uh, but we'll, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain. And we've, interestingly, defensively, since Derek's returned, we've gotten more aggressive and are forcing more turnovers. So that's, that's interesting to see uh, the impact there on how that plays out. But overall... 40 games in the season, 24 and 16, and with a schedule that has been, I'd say by the time it's pretty even-handed, uh, we've played 20 home, 20 road. Uh, we have played against above 500 teams. I believe we are 7 and 12 now. Um, let me see if that's right. Yep, 7 and 12, so 19 games against above 500 teams, 21 games against below 500 teams. It's really been a very, very kind of even-out schedule for the Jazz so far uh, at this point in the season. And now we play. And the only we've got a brutal stretch coming right after the All-Star break, but hopefully you're fresh after the break, and we have a really soft stretch uh, between now and the All-Star break. The next month of games uh, for the Jazz, if you start playing, like, what should we win? There's just a lot of chances for wins, you know. Um, in fact, I don't think we'll play a game until February 6th that a Jazz fan what goes into the game thinking whether or not we should win or not. You know, I think our next 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 games, I suspect every Jazz fan thinks we should win. Um, then we go to Atlanta. Then we go to New Orleans. Then we go to Dallas in the back end of a back-to-back. Those will all be tough. Come back, first game of a road, off a road trip for Boston will be tough. And the Clippers are tough and Portland stuff. So the final six before the break, I'd call all six of them a toss-up. Uh, but I think, and frankly, back-to-back in Denver on the 24th should probably be a toss-up. Uh, and then when we come out of that stretch, there just aren't – then there, it's the opposite. Then there's just not a lot of games that you know you're going to guaranteed – uh, to win every night. So, uh, you know, I think we're – Spence Jackets asked me on the big show yesterday uh, on where we are. This is going to be my wife. Okay. Um, Hi, love. I'm recording my podcast live right now, and so I'm answering the phone with you. What can I do for you? No, what do you need? Oh, okay, good idea. Great idea. Okay, love it. Bye. Uh, see, she's smarter than I am. That was a really good idea by her. Uh, the, uh, so anyway, that was about car drop-offs and various things of that sort. Uh, get car serviced. She had a, she had a good idea. All right. So that, um, that's kind of where I think we are. I want to get to your questions now, uh, at this point on the show. Uh, by the way, jazz are home both Friday and Saturday. Tickets are available. You can get them at Utah jazz.com. Jazz have some nice ticket packages that are available right now, uh, as well. 
uh, and you can look into those and see what kind of deals you can get for yourself. Give him a call at uh, two o uh, at three two five three five five dunk is the number for you to call. Uh, sorry, I just tried to look up and give you what the latest. Here's the. F- uh, Six tickets, six hot dogs for $90 on the uh, 23rd against the Thunder. So that's a big game coming up. Monday the 23rd, Family Night, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, and that one's 801-325-2999. Or you can email insidesales at utahjazz.com. Told them I, told, tell them I told you. Uh, so that's six tickets, six hot dogs for $90 on uh, Family Night uh, for you coming up. Uh, by the way, also, if you want to advertise on Locked On Jazz, right here's where your ad would have gone. If your company is looking for men between the ages of 18 and 54 years old, that's right in our wheelhouse. 97% of our audience is man, men. About 80% of our audience fits, 85% of our audience fits into that gap. Our rates are reasonable. They're all based on listener numbers. Uh, so hopefully it's a, it's a fair deal for you. We'll give you more details if you want to find out if your company fits in uh, to being part of the Locked On Jazz community and advertising on the program. Feel free to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. All right, let me see if I can get some questions coming in on Facebook Live and see what's what's going on. Uh, what's up from Tom Claxon? What's up, Tom Claxon? He wanted a shout-out. That's really what he wanted. Um, by the way, Adam Bushman, you're welcome. By the way, uh, if you have not checked out Pregame Periscope, we're now doing it in 360. It was incredible. Pregame Periscope is now in 360, hour before every game. So make sure uh, you check that out. Austin Ballard, what are my thoughts on the state of the Clippers? Um, you know, in a kind of grandiose, over-dramatic way, uh, I kind of thought that the Clippers lost to the Warriors when they lost by 20, uh, kind of ripped their heart out a little bit, and that they, you know, that that probably um, takes away who they are. Now they flipped around; they've won five in a row here. Uh, Chris Paul's come back. They haven't played, um, you know, a schedule that's particularly difficult. They're 27 and 14. Uh, their last five wins are Phoenix, Memphis, Sacramento, Miami, and Orlando. So they just didn't throw up on themselves. Uh, in a stretch of games where they're supposed to win. What gets interesting to me is whether they fool themselves into then believing that they're really good again. Okay, and their ske- So their schedule's been soft. Their schedule's been at home. They've only gone on the road for, in the 2017 season. By on, As of January 20th, they have played one game on the road, and they will have played one game against an above 500 team, two games against above 500 teams. So I'm not sure what I really think of this recent stretch of theirs. Um, you know, they had that five-game losing streak or six-game losing streak. They didn't throw in the towel. They've got some resiliency there. Uh, I think we'll know a little bit more about them. They head on a, a road trip right before All-Star break, right? When our schedule is fairly passive, they head out on the road from the – maybe it's because of the, maybe the Grammys. Are the Grammys going in early January? So from January 20th to February 14th, right before All-Star break, they play every game but one on the road. Their home game is a back end of a back-to-back, leaving a day or two later, and it's against the Warriors. So the Clippers, we're going to find out where they are. They play at Denver, at Atlanta, at Philly, all games they probably should win, and then they come back, play at Golden State, at Phoenix. They come home in between, but they're still road games. Back-to-back home against the Warriors, then at Boston, at Toronto, at New York, at Charlotte, and they finish that in Utah. We get them on the fifth game of a road trip. Uh, they, they, that's script for resting some players and some things of that nature. So I'll be curious to see uh, what, the jazz, what the Clippers are at that point. Thanks for the question, Austin. Uh, does Alec find minutes as a backup point guard? You know, he's really not a backup point guard. We've tried this. 
time and time again, and everything I see when Alec plays backup point guard is we just neuter him. You know, his aggressiveness, his relentlessness, we got him thinking. He's not, he's not a thinking player. That's not his strength. His strength is just playing the game, being a baller, uh, being kind of a relentless off-the-bench uh, guy. Uh, the two things we have not seen, there's two things out of Alec that, that I still, you know, three things. One, we still have no idea how he can play in Quinn's system and whether he he can. His his game does not naturally match Quinn's system. He's working very hard to get it so that it does, but we have not seen it so that it does, actually. If we're really, um, you know, if it's really compatible to his kind of just go and, and play, and, and he also has tendency to catch and dribble. That is certain is not uh, compatible. So he's going to have to learn how to do that. He's going to have to learn the detail. It's not a detail game, right? It's a, an explosion athletic game. The level, and he's worked really hard at these things, but you know, he's still at times wondering what the plays are. He just hasn't run through them. He hasn't been a part of it, and it's just new memory for him. So I think that's going to be uh, the first question is compatibility. Second one is he's never played with a space floor. His power forwards he's played with his entire career have been Ennis Cantor, Trevor Booker, Paul Millsap, whether he was a non-space. And so how does he play on a floor with Trey Lyles lifted, Boris Diaw lifted, small with Joe Ingles, uh, small with Joe Johnson? That's really exciting. Maybe that opens up driving lanes uh, that we've never seen out of him. Uh, and then maybe he can play on the floor with – uh, a non-point guard lineup, but I, and they did the triple wing last year, and at times it worked, but I, I still always have felt that be, if you try to turn Alec into a thinking game rather than an instinct game, that it's not where he's at his best. Uh, he's just a player. Are there defensive players that are able to bring other pack players down? Players pack. Pack's a, not a game-to-game stat, particularly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Gordon Hayward, if you go just kind of run through defensively what small forwards have done against us this year, um, it's pretty incredible uh, to look at what opposing small forwards have done against Gordon Hayward uh, and probably something I should take some time, research, and then have the world retweet to try to help his all-star campaign. Um, national media the other day had the idea that one of the reasons we are doing well maybe this year is because our pace is slow and other teams out making them defend for longer into the shot clock. Um, well, there's no correlation um, – there's no correlation between uh, pace and good offense, pace and winning. Uh, so pace is kind of an, uh, a high, um, a high, uh, you know, kind of a myth, I think, a little bit. Um, I do think there's something, too, that we're difficult to play because we make you defend 18 seconds of the shot clock at a higher rate uh, than just about anybody in the NBA. I'll find out exactly for you. Here in a second, if I can. I'm not always great with the new NBA site on um, on trying to find uh, player tracking, team tracking numbers. Um, but th- we're we're pretty late into the shot clock. Um, so for, you know, if you kind of look at, let me see if I can find um, teams general shot dashboard shot clock. Um, the wrong stuff. All right, I can't find it off the. Oh, maybe tracking. Um, no, I can't find it. I I don't have the. I don't have this site mastered. Usually, that's what I'm able to do. By the way, is that I'm able to um, very quickly go pull up these things and um, grab them in a way that 
makes it look like I know exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm not able to do it. Though I just stalled long enough uh, to be able to do it. So if you look at us, zero to four seconds in the shot clock, uh, only the Dallas, we're using the most amount of shots, zero to four in the shot clock, 8.5%, which is just, too, it, honestly, it's probably too many. Because our shooting percentage, while it's is good for the league, is 36%. So you probably don't want to be in that range. We're probably there too much. We're at 11.8% of our shots are from 4 to 7 in the shot clock. And our shooting percent, our effective field goal percentage is 44%. So, again, it's not great. Fifth, 7 to 15 on the shot clock, where we get in a lot of action, this is where most teams live. We're much lower. We're, in fact, the fifth or sixth lowest in the NBA in this area. But... Our shooting is number one in the NBA in that time period. Between 7 and 15 on the shot clock, we're the number one shooting team in the league. Number two is the Warriors. Number three is the Spurs. Number four is the Celtics. Number five is the Clippers. So if our offense works, we get into it quickly. And maybe if George Hill can get us into it a little faster, then we'll be able to see uh, that. The, The one area where we're really lacking is that early shot clock action, which often leads to really productive shots. The Rockets are 18%. The Bucks are at 17 They're the two highest in the league. And we come in last in the league at 9.1%. We're very good uh, at 54% effective field goal percentage when we get there. But that we, just, we don't run <clears throat> for that early hit uh, very often. It's probably one area where we can prove you can only be good at so many things, right? Uh, we use the f- second fewest amount of possessions in the first four seconds of the shot clock. That's because we don't force a lot of turnovers. Um how good is Rudy on the pick and roll defensively? Um, that's a weird stat. Um, and I don't, you know, I can look up and give you what Synergy says. Um, but what I don't like about it is, so if we run the pick and roll defense correctly, where <clears throat> we most standard, we have our point guard trail behind the ball handler to run him off the three-point line and drive him into Rudy. And and we are to do that um, to some extent. Then, and the guy then, passes off is that Rudy defending I don't really know how they do, how they use that um, and then secondarily uh, if he passes at that point um, I think it's very hard to tell well, like did Rudy impact that so defense is such I think the answer on defense is really what Rudy does look at the numbers of what Rudy is when he's on or he's off the floor um, synergy doesn't really reveal an awful lot other than if he gets switched on the pick and roll man He's about as good. Teams are shooting. When he's assigned as the defender, I don't really know what that means on the on the ball handler, so I guess we switch it. Or I'm not sure how Synergy defines this. Uh, teams are only shooting 26%. I mean, that's incredible. So that's truly one of the best, but that's only 56 possessions, so I'm not sure how they define that. I'm not sure I'd go with that for um, very much. Um, 360 Periscope was amazing. I agree. What are my expectations for the next 10 games? This is from Mike Sorensen. I wonder if this is the same Mike Sorensen that just ripped the crap out of me the other day. No, it doesn't look like it. But there was a Mike Sorensen on Twitter who just blasted me the other day. Um, And I always think it's interesting these people just rip the crap out of me and then they come back and ask me a question the day later. Uh, I'm not. Not that I keep track. Uh, Next 10 games. Detroit, Orlando, at Phoenix, at Dallas. Home against Indiana on a back end of a back-to-back. Home against OKC at Denver on a back-to-back. Home against the Lakers, right? Is that right? Two, four, six. That's eight. Then home against Memphis. Let's look at the next 11. How's that? I don't know. We could go 11-0. and 0. We could go 10-1. and 1. We could go 9-2. and 2. We could go 8-3. and 3. We do anything less than 8-3. and three, Probably a little dis- disturbing, frankly. Those are, I mean, I think most, I, I bet you um, Detroit and Orlando are down as wins. Phoenix 
I don't think you should suspect you're going to sweep them, but maybe at Dallas is probably a loss in my in my sheet. I'm just thinking my preseason sheet. Indiana, Oklahoma, one of those probably you could drop. You drop at Denver. You probably would like to not. Lakers, Memphis, Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, seven and four would be kind of the baseline. Anything above, I think you're making ingra- maybe eight and three is the baseline. Could have could have a really good sequence here. Could fire us up. Uh, is Dante healthy enough to run with the stars? Shouldn't he be there, or is Q's not done with him at all. I don't know why Dante didn't play a shave. I have not. I was actually going to text someone to find out. I don't have an answer. I, I would. I. I. I have made my opinion clear. I love the D League, and I think it's a fabulous developmental spot. I think it gives great value to the players. Um, I think move, the only way to make it work is to do what the Jazz have done, which is to move it into Salt Lake City. I thought was. I don't like it when it's like in Boise, and now they have a chance to use it. Um, I think I would. My personal opinion, and there's probably a million reasons why you can't do this. This is just like I would probably put Dante with the stars with that as priority one until All-Star break and just let him get minutes and time. And then if the Jazz, for example, like the Stars play Friday, Saturday, so you would have him play with the Stars Friday, Saturday. Neto would be the third backup, third guard. And then the Stars don't play for a week, so then he goes on the road with us to Phoenix and maybe you try to get him some NBA, make an extra effort to get him NBA minutes at that point. Then go back and play, I think, that Friday and Saturday with the Stars in the showcase. Um and, and just have him priority one being the stars, but if the stars have a gap and he can be with us, he's with us, and still have him with us as much as possible. That would be the way I would do it right now, but there's a million reasons why that's probably the wrong answer. Um, but I just think that's a, that's a concept that we probably should embrace, not think of as a demotion. Uh, do you think that Joe Ingles is playing a role similar to what Shane Battier did for the Miami Heat? That's interesting. My initial reaction was like, eh, but maybe. That's actually really interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bat that one around to people. Does Howell Neto's performance last night in the D-League tell us anything new? No, I think we know exactly what Howell is. Probably has limited upside at this point. Like, he probably is exactly is a solid shooter, good offensive runner, little undersized, struggles defensively on main guys, becoming a little bit better in where he picks his gaps and getting to the rim than he was a year ago. Experience will give him, but that's where you use the D-League perfectly. Give him 30 minutes a run and let him play. He's not been able to play. Can Rudy ever develop a skyhook, or is he trying? Um, he's trying everything. The guy works relentlessly. There's a probably a reason why nobody else other than Kareem has ever developed a skyhook. It's probably not that easy a shot. Now that we're fully healthy, do you expect everyone to? How do you expect everyone to react to minutes distribution, or will the team take the high road if we're winning? Well, I think winning helps everything. Quinn basically made the comment that he doesn't need guys to accept it; he needs them to embrace it. It's a really good point. It's one thing to just go back to the locker room and be like, "All right, I'm all right, I get it." It's another thing to embrace it to. to to just kind of understand that you're part of it. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And there's so much that goes into it. It's just not as simple as, like, who's playing best. It has a lot to do with teammates and combinations and practice and, you know, all sorts of aspects to things. By the way, my hair looks ridiculous today. Um, I just looked at myself. What's up with our free throw percentage lately? Uh, it's not as good as it was. It's We were out. We were his, probably unnaturally high earlier, frankly. Um, we were – the kind of best we'd been as a franchise since the mid-90s and maybe even earlier. So uh, I think there's a level where, frankly, we may have just regressed to the mean. And I would say that my instinct would not be that we would be a great free-throw shooting um, team overall. I don't think we should have slipped to 23rd, which is where we are uh, now in the league. But that's – I'll bet you if we looked at the percentages on that. But, you know, if you've got Rudy shooting a lot of free-throws – you're probably not going to be a great free-throw shooting team. Most of the good free-throw shooting teams are teams that are um, 
have good picks. By the way, on the comment of free throw shooting, you know how everybody says the fundamentals of the league are gone. To, like, there's five, six teams this year shooting over 80% from the line. It's funny. Every old school crotchety guy who's ever, like, you know, argued about this and that, about how the league lacks fundamentals and this and that, all those things are actually, like, that's actually happened. This league has become a shooter's league. It's everything they've ever asked for. Um... Uh, what does it mean to receive a pass on the seams like LeBron talked about yesterday? Uh, it means so that the seams are horizontal to your hand so that you can feel the ball in that way. So you're, they're perpendicular uh, to your hand. And some guys like to feel the seams um, as they shoot, or other guys like it no seams where they can put their hand in between the seams and just feel the leather. Do you think the jazz brass is starting to identify those who fit long-term and those who probably don't? Sure. Uh, would you trade Neto and Alec for picks? Um, not unless it's, no, probably not. Because I don't think either of those picks is that valuable. Is Lyles a better long-term answer than Favors? Huge question for the organization. Huge question for the organization. Don't have any idea on the answer to that one yet, but um, huge. Uh, do you share pack numbers with other Locked On Podcast Network state shows? Um, I try to, and then I run out of time, and I don't do it for them after I tell them I'm going to, and they're mad at me about it. There. I'm a little overloaded. Uh, can you have one of the starters of the NBA TV on Locked On NBA? Sure. Which one? Tell me which one you want. I'll go request it. Uh, does a good stat exist for measure a player's consistency? No. This is the issue I've wanted to try to figure out forever, which is a player's bell curve, because I think that's what tells you whether – you're going to win or you're going to lose is the consistency of performance of your players um, is a huge deal for me. Um, And, you know, I always talk, we talk a lot about the bell curve on this show. And I think that that's a, uh, I would love to figure out some way to do standard deviation of player performance and then have that uh, be, you know, to tell me how they, uh, a player performs. The problem with that, is when I worked on it a few years ago was the year Kobe had 83 points in 80-whatever points in a game, and then that ruins his uh, standard deviation. So there's got to be something where you're actually, what you're really trying to avoid is low end, right? If you have a 15-point-a-game score, you don't want him dropping six. He drops six, you lose probably. So, you know, you don't mind if your 15-point-a-game score is sitting at 12 or 13 and then occasionally goes to 24. That's, that's fine. It's the back end of the bell curve that's the problem that you're trying to avoid. Um, uh, what are some of the projects I have in queue to work on? Uh, a lockdown podcast network right now is taking up most of those. Uh, all right, let's run through a few questions, uh, from the previous request. So when the healthy jazz team now, do you see them getting the fourth seed in the playoffs or a lower seed? And by the way, go jazz. Um, so we have to catch the Clippers at this point, right? And not let someone catch us. This next, this next two-week sequence is going to be big. I think we'll catch the Clippers in the next two weeks when we win and they go on that road trip. We're two and a half games behind them. And so then the question will be whether what happens from there. Oklahoma City's, by the way, clearly there's no, nothing fluky about what Oklahoma City's doing. They're 24-16, and 16, completely legitimate, completely healthy, but completely legitimate. So uh, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, four, five. You'd like to be between three and six, though. I think you'd like to avoid the Spurs and the Warriors in the first round. Uh, I frankly wouldn't mind avoiding the Clippers. I mean, they've done it an awful lot of times, and they have. But it does they do match to our lineups fairly well, right? So there's a chance that Rudy outplays DeAndre and that Derek and Blake go head-to-head. And um, So there's there's an element that that might not be the 
you know, that that might be a pretty good uh, match for us. Uh, what is Rudy's stat on jump balls? Um, am I missing the ones he wins? I don't know. I do think that, like, there is a place that has that stat. Like, maybe NBA Stat Stuffer. Or <clears throat> There's a site that has kind of crazy NBA stuff like that. Um, and I don't remember the name of that site. Maybe NBA Stuffer, but I think they, that's where I get all my ref stuff. Um, there, There's a <clears throat> there's a place out there that has kind of funky stats like that, and they actually keep it, and I'll see if I can find out uh, what it is. I'm actually doing a podcast, not for me, for him, with Kevin Artovitz uh, later today, and I'll, I'll, I'll bet he knows the answer to that. So I will ask him. Um, should the Jazz make a move for Paul Millsap? I mean, I think it's interesting, but you're just getting him for the rest of the year. So this is the issue with all these, is if we go get Paul Millsap, so you're likely trading Derek Favors for Paul Millsap, um, and the Atlanta would do that trade tomorrow probably uh, because Paul's a free agent at the end of the year and Derek has an amazing contract. So you're done, then he's gone at the end of the year um, because he's going to want the max and you can't afford it unless he knows you're going to get some discount. I think he must have just told Atlanta that he's willing to re-sign there at a decent number. And – uh, do you think that if we got Paul Millsap, it would be the difference between us winning a first-round series or winning a second-round series? And do you think he could beat the Warriors? And is it really, you know, is it really worth it at that point would be the next question. Uh, a couple of years ago, the league was limited in the amount of defensive flopping. However, the crafty drawing of offensive players continues to be rewarded. Um, so you and I uh, – this is from Jonathan. It's a good question. You and I are in a different realm on this. Um, Westbrook and Harden, when they do all these, they're fouled. Like when Harden drives and puts his arms out there and he gets hit, that's a foul. Um, So I don't actually have a problem with it because it's a foul. They found ways to draw fouls. And if you notice, the guys who do this and draw these fouls are the elite athletes, and it's because the guy guarding them is having a hard time. So I actually don't have a problem uh, with this. I mean, you can say it's like not great and watchable is what your point is. Maybe, but... I think they're legitimate calls, and the guys are so good that they're hard to uh, do. Do you think we'll ever see Derek Favors in the running for an all-star position? Boy, I mean, i got to know if he's going to ever get completely healthy again. Um, there were days where I thought so. It's an awfully hard position at this point with Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, and all those guys. Uh, Rudy Gobert. The Jazz have some de- more depth than it's somewhat problematic. Okay, it, it is problematic, by the way, but it also is the only reason we're still above water. Um, there's not enough quality playing time for all the players or anyone in mind for ideal trade targets. I saw an article recently saying the Bulls might move Jimmy Butler. Yeah, if you're trading the J- for Jimmy Butler, he wants favors in Mac in a first round. If you're trading Jimmy Butler, you're probably trading Rudy Gobert. Right, he's a top ten player in the league, Jimmy Butler. You're probably trading Gordon Hayward and something. Um, and you probably Gordon has to probably guarantee him he's going to sign. Um, so... You know, you're not getting these like they're not dumping Jimmy Butler for like, oh, well, we have a top 10, top 10, 15, 20 player in the league. We're just going to dump him. No, you're giving up Rudy Gobert at that point. All right, we'll take about two more minutes. Uh, I know the Jazz have a lot of decisions on young players soon in terms of salary cap. Everyone talks about Gordon, obviously, but what are the next major decisions to put out? I mean, I think the Jazz are going to do everything they can to sign George Hill to an extension and what number that comes in at. Uh, we'll have a lot of things to dictate where the Jazz are able to do in the future. Then you've got Rudy signing, and then hopefully you sign Gordon, and then you've got to start making some decisions on 
that's probably your three core is Hill, Hayward, and uh, Gobert because that's the way that the contract timing worked out. Uh, George is a 30-year-old point guard, so he's going to be fading at some point. So you probably try to prepare somebody to equalize those minutes as time goes on. And then you try to figure out you know, what dollar figure and number Gord, uh, Rodney, Trey, Derek all come in at and where uh, and and whether they match and who matches the best. And so, but I think, you know, if the Jazz can do it, they'd like to sign Hill to an extension and then they'd like to re-sign Gordon. And if you do those three things and those three things are all lined up that you have already done Gobert, you have Hill, you have uh, Hayward, that's your it's perfect, right? It's a point guard, a wing player, and a center. And then you piece the other pieces in around based on what their market value is, wh- how they're developing, uh, how they fit, how they want to be here, uh, and, and when their contracts come up, frankly. So that, those are a lot of the pieces uh, that have to happen there. It's been a fun edition. Thank you very much to Shamrock Auto Group for sponsoring today's edition. They specialize in uh, nearly new cars for you with uh, limited miles, and then they try to make sure that they give you a really different experience uh, with helpful people, uh, no pressure. Uh, Rob said to me once, if it's a big deal, if it's not a big deal if a customer doesn't buy from me. It is a big deal uh, that we take care of the needs of our customers. Everyone at Shamrock will work very hard to help every customer get a car or a truck that fits their needs and their budget. Shamrock Auto Group, 801-319-2250. 801-319-2250 to call Rob. This has been Locked On Jazz, Facebook Live Edition. Thanks for tuning in. All part of the Locked On Podcast Network.